Good afternoon. Hi, everybody. This is Craig Lois, and uh, today we're talking about effective use of independent medical examinations in New York. Uh, particularly, we're going to be talking about uh, New York workers' compensation cases. We're going to talk about when to get an IME. We're going to talk about how to get an IME, best practices for getting an IME, things to avoid, and most importantly, I'm going to talk about how we expect the IME regulations and law to change in January. As part of the uh, reform in New York, the board has been charged with studying and evaluating the IME process and coming up with new ways, uh, hopefully, to improve the IME process. So uh, I am going to be spending a little time at the end of this presentation talking about what we think is coming down the road, uh, what we've seen um, from the uh, task force that's going to implement those independent uh, evaluation ideas, and I'm going to answer your questions about it. All right. Uh, this is totally and completely live, so please ask me questions. There's a little uh, box you can type into. I see the questions uh, pop up, and I'll save a little uh, time at the end to answer questions. I will only say your first name and read the question aloud so that everybody can get it, and then I'll dive into an answer. And uh, It doesn't have to be exactly on this topic. It could be on any topic in New York workers' compensation law. All right, since I want to get uh, really to what I think is the most interesting stuff, which is way the why and how the independent medical evaluation law is going to change in New York, let's go briefly through a little bit of the basics of when to get an IME and how to get an IME. Uh, we get one when we're directed by the court, uh, whenever there's a dispute, maybe we're uh, arguing about a body part shouldn't be part of the case, we're arguing that a consequential shouldn't be in, a need for treatment is unnecessary, uh, where the claimant's already gotten their own C-4.3 record, and so uh, they already have a report on permanency uh, or a new body part, and we're trying to fight that. Um, when there's an issue of MMI, and we're trying to get this case uh, under the new temp credit law, which just went into effect on October 9, 2019, where we're going to get a credit for every week of disability paid, after the 130th week, of course, with the caveat that the claimant has to be found to have reached MMI in a retrospective review. Uh, next, uh, to challenge any new or consequential body parts, and I kind of briefly already said that, but really what we're talking about here is where it starts off as a left thumb case and the case begins, it's very quite simple, and two years later, all of a sudden, it's low back and traumatic brain injury and PTSD and all sorts of other conditions have now been alleged as part of your case. That's a great opportunity uh, for us to be getting an IME so we can start to challenge those body parts. Uh, when I go to a client, I say, let's get an independent medical evaluation. Uh, there's certain things that I'm going to be looking for as your defense counsel in that IME. And, and we can talk a little bit about how we um, favor some IMEs over another. But uh, what I'm looking for is somebody with great qualifications. Typically, we're able to find IME physicians uh, with better or at least the same qualifications as a treating physician. In general, the qualification is board certified in whatever the area of practice uh, that we are looking to as a specialty. Um, whoa, how did I do that? <laughs> I somehow went to the end of the slideshow. Uh, uh, excuse me for just one sec while I try to uh, go back to the very top. Doop, 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 doop. Okay, ignore this, ignore this, here we go. Uh, you didn't see any of this, you didn't see any of this, you didn't see any of this. All right. Uh, so quickly getting back to where I was, uh, who gets when, uh, when, and, okay, you can tell this is really, truly live because I did that, somehow got all the way to the end. All right, so I'm looking for somebody with great qualifications. I'm looking for someone who's going to give a competent examination, and competent examination uh, now really does have a specific meaning because 
the disability duration guidelines are going to be very specific as to what the doctor has to be uh, examining the claimant to determine. Uh, also now says they need to use a goinometer and they should be taking contralateral um, findings. So if we're examining a right shoulder, this IME doctor should also be looking at the left shoulder so we can compare the claimant's pre-morbid state, uh, allegedly the unaffected shoulder, uh, with the body part that we're examining for this examination. Next, I think it is best practice uh, for the doctor to make sure that they don't evaluate anyone unless they've completed the full questionnaire uh, and, of course, proven their identity uh, to the evaluator. Very extremely important, particularly in downstate New York. Uh, I'm looking for a doctor who's going to give me a clear report, who's going to testify clearly. This means everything from using simple words, explaining themselves, uh, to not having a heavy or thick accent so they are able to explain this and it comes through correctly and clearly on the transcribed record. Uh, next, I'm looking for a doctor who stays within their report. I'm not looking for someone who is going to respond to speculative questions. Oftentimes, my adversaries or opposing counsel will pose a question like, uh, doctor, if you knew now what I'm about to tell you, would it change your opinion? And that's like a, a famous classic plaintiff move to try to get the doctor to speculate and start to get into surmises and weird opinions. No, we really want our doctor to stay within the confines of their reports and there's no surprises. Last thing, I'm looking for a doctor who holds up on cross-examination, and that's typically a doctor who's been around the block a few times, has been attacked a few times by opposing counsel and knows the moves. Also, we're there, of course, as defense counsel, uh, to put objections on the record and to instruct our uh, IME physicians not to answer questions where we think they are speculative or leading or assuming facts not in evidence or have any other sort of reason why they shouldn't be uh, allowed in. All right. What can I send to the evaluator? This is such a common question I get from clients. New York does have very prescribed and specific rules currently for how an IME physician is to get medical records, how they are to transmit their report. The way they're supposed to get medical records is essentially everything that's in the board file. If we're going to transmit more medical records to them, we can only transmit more medical records to them that are not already in the board file. Everything that we send to the IME physician has to be sent to all parties. And when the IME physician uh, provides their opinion, their medical opinion, they need to provide it through the same method and same way of service to all parties. These are actually pretty difficult uh, things to do, uh, in particularly in a more complex case. So I believe that when we are scheduling an IME, when an IME is scheduled, having your defense attorney put together the cover letter is pretty much table stakes. Uh, in my office, we have paralegals and associates put together uh, those uh, cover letters to make sure that we are really being very specific. We're giving the doctor a good uh, background or history of the case, exactly what they need, and really giving that doctor very directed questions. The next thing is providing the doctor with a questionnaire. I really think it's a wasted opportunity if we don't give the claimant a questionnaire when they come into the doctor's office, asking them to tell us what is your activities of daily living, what are you doing, let's get it in writing and let's get the claimant to sign it. That can become quite useful later on in the context of trying to perhaps entrap or find that the claimant has committed a fraud in the way they're describing their conditions or limitations. Uh, next, I want to send them non-medical documentation. So this could be things like pieces of the personnel record, uh, things like a job description, any ergonomic studies, any industrial hygiene or safety studies, any video we have of the claimant actually doing their job. I've had many cases where the claimant comes to the uh, physician and says, well, I have to lift 800 tons of materials every day in my job as a warehouseman. Well, yeah, you lift 800 tons or 800 tons or whatever the number is, but you're using a forklift. Or, you know, it's in small packages just multiple times during the day. And really, let's be very careful and clear about what this person's job duties really truly are and what kind of light duty, for example, we can offer. Uh, 
surveillance video can also be sent to the IME physician. And just the warning that once you've sent the surveillance video to the IME physician, it is not going to have any more surprise value at trial because we're going to have to turn it over to all parties, including the treating physician. Now, in my experience, when I've got really good surveillance video that shows the claimant really just going about their activities of daily life with no limitations, and meanwhile, their treating physician is continuing to say this person is a temporarily totally disabled person. They've been totally disabled for 10 years. Uh, when I've sent that surveillance video to my IME physician, I'll also copy it, of course, to the treating physician. In my experience, the treating physician rarely, if ever, actually reviews the video. Then they come to their deposition, they've never seen it, and they're still saying this person's totally disabled and I can't believe they can, you know, get wheeled into my office every day. And you say, did you watch the video that showed them spending five hours driving around, dropping their kids at school, you know, doing all the sort of things that a less than totally disabled person does? Really useful in undermining that. So, and it's also useful to provide to our, our IME physician. Um, we are limited in the way that we can prepare our IME doctors. Once we've selected the IME doctor, uh, at that moment, there's no more opportunity to have off the record or side conversations with them. And in fact, if I did anything to prepare uh, or converse with the IME doctor about a specific case, uh, particularly off the record or off to the side, and particularly about how their upcoming testimony should go, that would be considered an undue influence in the New York workers' compensation law. So we're really not allowed to spend much time preparing our IME doctor for their deposition, which is why the selection and the transmittal of documents that IME doctor is so important. All right. Uh, what can you do about missed IMEs? Well, there is a statute that says if the claimant misses an IME, you can suspend benefits. However, the court looks down on self-help, and so if you are under a CCP or currently under a direct order, do not suspend benefits the first time the claimant misses an IME. Uh, usually I instruct my clients, hey, let's reset a new IME, another examination date. Should they miss that one, then uh, we're usually going to be successful in getting a law judge to cut off benefits. Uh, in order to cut off benefits in a case in which there is a CCP, a carrier continuing payment order, it is very important uh, that you don't just stop payment. We have to file an RFA, a request for further action dash two, asking the court to stop it. Now, if you are paying benefits voluntarily, and the claimant fails to attend to a medical examination that you've scheduled, you can then immediately terminate benefits. Uh, how about can we force a functional capacity evaluation, which I tend to like, particularly in a case in which I'm suspicious uh, that there is malingering. Um, no, you can't directly force a claimant to attend to a functional capacity evaluation, but I can suggest that the IME doctor request a functional capacity evaluation. If the IME doctor is willing to review the functional capacity evaluation, we can backdoor it into the case. And interestingly, this is allowed for in the board's own frequently asked questions section in regards to independent medical evaluations. It says, if the independent medical evaluator needs it to assess the nature and extent of permanent residual disability or ability to work, then the claimant should attend it. Now, interestingly, the law says that the claimant can go get their own functional capacity evaluation. In my experience, they never do this because we are not required to pay for the claimant's functional capacity evaluation. They're quite expensive, which means if you can get a case or the appropriate case for a functional capacity evaluation, you're going to be the only one in the case that has that specific type of information. Really useful, really difficult to impeach. I also like the functional capacity evaluation to be reviewed by the IME doctor uh, in preparing their final opinion. And the reason for that is I only have to produce the IME doctor who can then testify that they relied on that functional capacity evaluation. Also interesting, 
is the fact that the functional capacity evaluation is pretty objective and it just seems like my adversaries are really not prepared to deal with the functional capacity evaluation. Only useful, and I only recommend we go to this type of expense in a case with significant exposure. We're really talking about the permanent total versus something less than total, very high classifications, uh, or claimants in which we're really trying to make uh, a very uh, concerted effort concerted effort to accommodate them and bring them back to work. So that's when that's appropriate. All right, let's talk about what's coming up in the future uh, because I think this is gonna be very interesting. The board has been charged by the legislature with reviewing and perhaps revamping the IME process. And they've been going through a multi-month process. In fact, they just met about a week ago. Again, every month they have a meeting, there's specific agendas, uh, which you can find on the board's website and I'm happy to direct you to that. Now. What's coming so far, what we've seen in terms of draft, the final draft will be out next month, but we know that they're looking at very certain specific things. One thing we know they're looking at is the IME questionnaire. Uh, right now, different carriers, different vendors, different defense firms even, are coming up with very tailored and very different IME questionnaires. And it looks like the board is considering coming up with only one IME questionnaire that everybody has to use. So when you claim it comes to the IME, they'll have to use this one specific form. Now, I don't really like what's been proposed so far. It seems very general, and it doesn't really seem very tailored to finding out if the claimant's activities of daily living are exceeding what they're uh, talking about. I really like a good solid questionnaire that requires the claimant admit to things like, are you doing volunteer activities? Have you had any paid work? What are you doing with your time? Any, any sort of activity it really tries to capture what they're really up to. The one that the board's proposed is a little bit more general and uh, not quite as pointed, so I'm not quite happy with it yet. But again, this is still a draft. Now, I did include a copy of that in the handouts, which you could download right now and take a look at what the board is suggesting uh, could be uh, the board form specific questionnaire. More interestingly, the board's been talking about creating a medical portal. This medical portal would enable uh, well, first of all, the medical portal's been discussed for years and years and years and years. We've all been threatened that every year that this medical portal's coming and that we're all gonna have to, it's gonna be just like EK, so we'll check into it and we'll get notices, et cetera. Okay, so the board is also considering utilizing this portal uh, for the dissemination or publication of the IME reports. Right now, uh, the IME uh, uh, report needs to be sent to all parties the same day, the same way. So if the IME physician comes up with a final report and they send it to me, the defense attorney via fax, they need to send it to all parties, including the treating physician, the claimant, the claimant's attorney via fax or email or, or uh, uh, mail. However, they do serve it on one party, they have to serve it on all parties. Well, this creates lots of problems and lots of mischief, really, on behalf of the claimant's attorneys who come up with any reason to prove that somebody wasn't served correctly. And guess what? Now our report is in the trash. They've thrown it out. They've gotten it precluded. So that's a big challenge. The other thing, uh, which is a challenge uh, and the board is looking at uh, relaxing, is the 10-day deadline. So 10 days from the day the IME is conducted, the report needs to be in the, in the hands of all parties. That is the current law. The board, it looks like, is considering relaxing that deadline or changing that deadline in certain cases, specifically cases where the issue might be permanent residual disability or scheduled loss of use, uh, not in cases where the, it's whether or not the claimant needs surgery right now. So they seem to be looking like they're going to uh, put cases over here which are emergent and in which the report needs to be done really fast and then a second set of cases over here where you know perhaps it's not so urgent that that report come out quickly maybe it's more important that that report come out right and so for that reason it looks like they may be uh, relaxing or changing that 10-day deadline 
All right. Uh, what else is coming in 2020? They're also talking about defining what is reasonable travel time. I know some of us who have cases in upstate New York, in the Plattsburgh hearing point, for example, or in more rural areas are having real difficulty getting uh, IME physicians that are close to the claimants, you know, within that 60 minute drive. So the board, it looks like they're going to redefine or define what is truly reasonable travel time and based on region. So where you live in New York would uh, sort of change that. Now, the next meeting of the uh, board panel uh, the, that's been tasked with this is uh, uh, November 13th. And at that point, we do expect them to have their final draft report. Is that going to be the final report? Absolutely not. Uh, that's just going to be a final, uh, you know, red line draft report. They're going to then come back in December, and it looks like um, sometime in December, uh, they're going to again revisit it and come up with a final, final draft report. So this is still very much a work in progress, but it's very interesting because uh, this is one area where IMEs are one of the very few matter or ways that we have to move cases and gain leverage. So anything that tinkers with that certainly is going to tinker with the way that we're going to litigate and move cases to closure quickly. All right. That's a lot uh, of uh, different things, a lot of uh, new stuff, frankly. So let me go to the questions now. If you haven't typed in your question, now is the right time. I'm going to come over here, pop up my screen, and see what we have. Again, I won't say uh, your last name, just your first name, and I'll try to answer every question. So far, I'm seeing zero questions. So either this group is asleep and we just all had too much carbohydrate at lunch and we're tired, uh, or I did a tremendous, amazing job I'm going to probably go for the latter uh, because I am uh, very proud of myself. Uh, but if you've been trying to type and maybe there was a, um, a computer glitch or something, you couldn't get the question through, please feel free to call me or email me. I'm very happy. Again, I'm looking over here at the questions. I'm not seeing anything popping through. Uh, I'm presuming that means we covered everything and uh, you got what you came for. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Uh, if you have any questions, again, please feel free to reach out to me. Have a wonderful rest of your week.